Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is episode 72 with Mariana Dubosk. Welcome to the As Told by Nomads podcast, where you'll learn how nomads, third culture kids, entrepreneurs, and leaders all over the world embrace their global identity and use their difference to make a difference. And now, having lived on four different continents, here's your host, Tyo Roxas. Welcome, everybody. Today I have with me the lovely Mariana Dubosk. She is a former educator, lifelong language learner, and the host of Bilingual Avenue Podcast. And where on the podcast she interviews parents, experts raising and teaching bilingual children. Welcome to the show, Mariana. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here with you today. Well, I'm, I'm excited to have you on here. So, I talked about your background, can give us more of a backstory about how you got to doing what you're doing right now. Sure. Well, I was born in Caracas, Venezuela, where I actually spent the majority of my childhood as a monolingual child, only speaking Spanish. And then one day, when I was 12 years old, my life changed. My parents decided to move to the United States, and my adventure and passion, really, for language learning began. That move to the United States was sort of my big move. I've moved since, but that's sort of my big move. And it happened at a really critical time for me. Those early teenage years are not the years where you want to stand out. (laughs) You really want to blend in as much as possible. And when you can't speak the language, for example, you're going to stick out. Hmm. Hmm. Now, so when you moved and... Trust me, I identify with moving during puberty and just discovering yourself during this time with so many confusions going on within you. How did you first fit in? Because I, I imagine you had an accent. I imagine you had to learn the language. I imagine there were several different ways that you had to adapt to the culture. Yeah, absolutely. I have this image in my mind where I wore these purple jeans that were really cool in Venezuela, and they were not cool in my middle school. So I learned that the quick way. But yeah, so I... I didn't have very a lot of knowledge really in English. I knew some basic things, some fruits, some greetings, like sort of lists of words. Uh, but my school actually had a pretty large population of students who were moving from all over the world to South Florida. 
but it wasn't actually equipped to handle all the students that were moving in. So by being in the English as a Second Language program, you were automatically placed in a trailer in the back of the school. There was no accountability. Our teachers spoke Spanish to us every day because it was easier. We actually had a boy from France and a girl from Korea who learned Spanish before they learned English because... What? Exactly. That's <laughs> what, that was our little community language that had evolved in our classroom. So it was tough. And one of the main things for my parents had moved was for education. That was really at the top of their list. So it was frustrating for them to now be here and sort of see what was happening, but being new to a culture and new to a system and not knowing how to navigate that. But that being said, that that experience, even though it was difficult, really led me to create and, and sort of go on this path that based on that experience, I'm now helping other parents and other families in similar situations. I think it's really interesting that you you know you were talking about the the landscape of how culture was back in South Florida where you know the the Spanish speakers were enabled um and by teachers speaking Spanish and no one really teaching them how to speak English. Do you find that that's still prevalent in today's society where you have you know places like Miami, South Florida, places in California, you know, Hispanic speaking countries or or, for example, I live in New York and I can go to Chinatown and a lot of the people have communities where they only know the language that they came, uh, that they left, you know. Is that something that's prevalent still or is it shifting in your opinion? Well, I think it depends on the community. Um, I think you can still go to Hialeah, Havana, Miami and most of what you're going to hear is Spanish. What I think the shift has changed is that Many of the public schools, not all, but many of the public schools are now better equipped. So teachers are now trained to manage diverse populations. Uh, they now have maybe not a perfect set of strategies, but they have been taught different strategies to scaffold the different training and manage students with different needs. So I think there's definitely been steps in the right direction when it comes to the public school system. And I, I did spend time in the classroom. One of the things I wanted to do after graduating was teach a similar population to to what I had experienced after moving to the United States. And I spent several years in the classroom working with dual language learners. And I feel that I was better trained and others around me had a lot more support when it came to working with students of different languages. No, it's good to hear. Now, you said your personal journey led to your background and your passion for, you know, bilingualism, essentially, and understanding other cultures. So with that in the, in the, you know, the background, can you talk to us about what Bilingual Avenue is, your podcast, and, and what you do with that? Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, it was inspired sort of from three things. My own language learning, my time in the classroom working with dual language learners, and now what I call sort of my hardest yet most rewarding job, which is now being a multilingual parent. So I, after my daughter was born, I knew I wanted her to speak Spanish. And so I done some research and drew from some of the strategies that I had learned in the classroom and realized that one of the things that I heard from other parents raising multilingual children is that they felt very alone on their journey. And that's really, in some ways, sad to hear because the majority of the world is multilingual. But when in your circle of friends, you're the only one doing this, 
it can be difficult and parents feel alone and sometimes give up. And most of the time, I would say actually every time, parents of children regret when they give up on this bilingual or multilingual goal. So I thought, listen, if I can help to connect these parents, if I can draw from my own teaching experience, if I can just build a community so we can overcome these challenges together, then let's do that. And that's sort of what created the podcast. And it's just been an amazing ride, a great learning experience for me, and a great way to connect with other families around the world who are doing this. Yeah, I love it. Love it. So how many languages do you speak? So I have studied five different languages, and I speak them in very different degrees, but obviously Spanish and English. Uh I minored in French in college. I also studied Portuguese. And we spent the last year living in the Black Forest in Germany. So that's actually my daughter's third language that we're working with and one that my husband and I have been learning throughout the year. Well, mais on peut faire cette podcast en français si tu veux. <laughs> no, we can't do it. It can't. Do it. My French is, is 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 good, but not good enough to run an interview. I don't think I can. Right. Do <laughs> I do love French, and I live very close to French border, so we've been able to make some trips over there. Um, love the culture and love the language, and I I'd love to have an opportunity to to reconnect with that language again. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm going to get back to to raising bilingual kids, but I want to ask. You say you live close to French border. Where do you live right now? So I live in the Black Forest in Germany, which is just a great setting. Um, it's it's a really so- southern Germany, so southwest Germany is where we are. And just uh, I look out my window and I get to take in the fresh air of the Black Forest. It's really stunning. That's it's, it's amazing. So Caracas, America, Black Forest right now, where is home? So that's a really interesting question for me. I I really, when I reflect on where home is, I feel like there's many places that I call home. But since being a parent, I've realized that home is where we make our home. And so it depends on where we are right now. That's Germany. I think what's interesting is I mentioned that we're here in Germany and we're only here for a year. So we've really maximized our experience. Living in Europe is amazing. You can just hop in the car and drive for a few hours. You're not only in a completely different country, but a different culture and language. So we try to travel just about every weekend. And my daughter has, this is just a big part of who she's been for the last year. So it's funny when we, when we arrive at our hotel and we get to our floor, she immediately always memorizes where the hotel room is. So she'll run to the hotel room. And right when she gets to the door, she always turns around and she says, we're home. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> so she, yeah, she's also internalized. You know, home is where we're staying that night. And we're wow. flexible when we move. But that's just that's just who we are as a family. Wow, she's so smart. That's that's really smart. Um, the, the, I grew up as a diplomatic kid. So international schools were a way of life for me. And one of the things I noticed with international schools is that you had people from different cultures, right? And varying in ages from kindergarten to, you know, high school, you name it. And it was always very interesting to notice how the the younger kids adapted to the language of the culture. Where I picked up French was living in Burkina Faso. And it was, I noticed it was so much easier for the younger kids to pick up the languages. I don't know if this is true or not. This is just an observation I had. Um, Do you think that when you're raising your daughter, and you're, you know, interviewing all these experts and parents that they find it easier to have the kids pick up languages at, a, at an earlier age? And if so, why? Yeah, there are definitely advantages when you're doing it young. So my, my daughter's case, for example, we're using the one-parent, one-language strategy. So I speak 
exclusively in Spanish to her. My husband does exclusively in English, and then she's learning German in her school. And oh, wow. she's only two and a half, and it's really amazing how she knows. You know, she doesn't know exactly that I speak Spanish and Daddy speaks English, but she knows mommy words and daddy words. So if she's saying something to me, like today, she we're talking about a map, and she says, Mommy, mapa, daddy, map. She immediately knows and can just switch at the dinner table, look at me and say something, and then completely turn around and say something to my husband, and I'm just really shocked what she's able to do at two and a half. So she'll never really know what it's like to be monolingual because she's had it from an early age and that's a great advantage that young children have they're, the, they're basically their job is to learn a language and so there's that's that's what they do that's what parents are sort of conducive to during that time period so it is a, a critical period as some people say for language development however you oh, younger adults and adults themselves can also learn a language we just do it differently the advantage that we have when we're older is that we already know a language system and we can draw comparisons from that language system so there's this misconception that after you're five or after you're seven you can't do it I think I didn't really learn any English until I was 13 years old and I was able to like I said draw from my knowledge of understanding grammar concepts, for example, to pick up the language just in a different way. Hmm. Hmm. And, uh, you know, that's that's a phenomenal point because I, I I certainly had that misconception and then thanks, thank you for helping me correct that. And when you were saying that, I was just saying to myself, Tayo, you learned French when you were 12. So, right. <laughs> so, so what do you say? But um, one thing I wanted to touch on there was, so one strategy is to have one parent speak another language and the other speak exclusively another language. Is that one strategy? That is one strategy, are yes. There, what, what other strategies are there? Sure. So the, uh, that's one of, there's two that are most common. That's the one parent, one language. You may hear it referred to as OPAL. Mm-hmm. And then the other one that's really popular is what's called minority language at home. So let's say that I only spoke English and we lived in Germany. So both my husband and I would be working on English with her and she'd be learning the community language in school. So that's minority language at home. There's a, those are the two most common ones that most parents use, and they're, they're very successful. Uh, some of the other ones are, there's one called language time. So there's uh, Maria Babin, for example, from Trilingual Mama. She's a blogger. She does this really well. Her family lives in France, but she, is, she can speak French, but her two heritage languages are Spanish and English. So what she does with her kids is she switches languages every two weeks. So she spends two weeks speaking Spanish to her children, and then they have this big sort of celebration, and then they transition for another two weeks into English. So that's language time. She's assigning specific time periods to a language. Wow. No, that's good. That's just fascinating to me because I'm thinking uh of <laughs> just the different strategies and how, how that can actually uh, work in, the, in this world. Now, in Europe, you may, you may, you made light you may, you mentioned this earlier about how Europe is everybody speaks many languages i you know my cousins are are 90% 95% of them are british citizens but i know in the school systems um they have to pick up different languages and like you said it's easy to take a bus take a train take a car and go on to another another country in 2 hours in america it's like you know you go into another state you're still speaking english so 
Is it more commonplace where you are in Europe for people to speak several languages, or is it, I don't know, rare? No, it's not rare at all. I mean, everyone pretty much has a, a, at least a decent command of English, at the very least. And then it depends a lot on the field that you're in. Um, like I said, we're very close to France, and so there's a lot of overlap where folks speak French, German, uh, English. But I, th- I do think it's it's a big part of the European continent, of, of their own identity, that they're, they've got this really unique language diversity. So it really does lend itself. There's... There's a lot more need if you want to travel and you want to immerse yourself in culture to to, to want to learn a language. Okay. Like, I mean, my parents live in Florida. It takes seven hours to get out of the state. Like you said, and even if I got to Georgia, I would still be speaking English. Still so, be speaking English. <laughs> <laughs> so there's just a greater incentive, and I do think at times, not always, but some of the, in some cases, languages are introduced at a much earlier age, so you are exposed to language courses much longer than you are in the United States. Do you want, do you feel like uh, the United States would benefit from having that type of system? Well, I think there, there, very, there are many different language models that you can do. One, the one that I taught in when I, when I spent my time in the classroom was a two-way immersion. So 50% of the instruction was done in English and 50% of the instruction was done in Spanish. So that's a really beneficial model. There are some other models that are not as efficient. It's really important when you're applying languages to to a school that you're spending enough instructional time. Because you're gaining very little if you're just spending an hour a week. I mean, sure, you're still learning more than someone who doesn't have that language exposure. But if you really want to be successful and get good gains when it comes to language learning, you have to dedicate a good amount of time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, when you raised your kids, was it very important that you did it outside of the United States, or did you feel like that wasn't a conducive environment for your for you to have a multilingual child, or do you feel like you could still have raised a multilingual child in America? I think we didn't really. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The, the move to Germany just sort of fell on our lap. We hmm. we always dreamt of doing it, and then it sort of fell on our lap, and it showed us, wow, this is possible. We, we can't take a year and, and go somewhere else and work on language. And now I'm thinking, maybe in five years, I'd like to move to a Spanish-speaking country for another year to really give my children more exposure. So I think it's it's open the idea that this is possible. You, you can't find these ways to do it. 
But at the same time, I think if you if you find a good language strategy that works for you, so some of the ones I mentioned earlier, if you create enough exposure for your children. So when we're talking about exposure, it's rich vocabulary input, and you can get that from books, you can get that from audiobooks, you can get that from traveling to other countries, you can get that by exposing your children to language classes. That can go a really long way. And then the third thing that you want to do if, if you are in a community where you feel like maybe it's not as conducive to learning is you want to create a sense of need for your children. So you want to have your children or yourself, if you're a language learner, feel the need to use the language because otherwise it's just sort of human nature to use your more dominant language. If you know you can get out of it, it's just easier. It's right. what kids do, it's what adults do. That's what but I do a lot with French. That's why it's, it's not, I haven't practiced as much. It's very rusty. Exactly. But, yeah. And so that's what happens. But if you know that you need to use it, then you're going to use it. And you can do that also by traveling. Even if you can't make the permanent move, if you can just make some travel that can go a long way, because then even a supermarket trip, forces you to use the language so you can find many ways of creating that and then if you have if this happens to be a heritage language then you can still connect with family you can use skype or google hangouts or any type of video conferencing where you can then talk to native speakers and foster your own language development so i, I of course, moving to an area that speaks a language is going to be the fastest way for you to learn, but you can still create an environment within your surroundings to do that. Okay, so in the absence of moving, like you said, you, you can create the environment, and are, you're suggesting maybe Skyping native speakers and using um, resources to do that? Are there any resources you can recommend to do that? Sure. So for exposure, I'm a huge fan of audiobooks because... Audiobooks. Let's just yeah. say, for example, when I'm raising my daughter right now, I'm the only real Spanish speaker she has around me. But when I can put an audiobook that we can read together, she can first see that I'm not the only crazy person that speaks this language, but <laughs> others do. But then she can pick up tones and she can pick up different voices. And so that audiobooks are great. And there's so many great resources now for audiobooks, like Audible podcasts can be really good. It just sort of depends on your own language style. And then, yes, creating that need. So I we Skype with a family member almost every day. Um, even language tutors and language classes, I think sometimes we, we think they may be tedious. But if that's going to force us to use the language, even for the 30 minutes that we're going to do it, then there's some value in that. So if you're more of a language class or you're more an individual language tutor, find something that works. But those can go a long way. Gotcha. No, I love it. Love it. Talk to me about the advantages of being bilingual, multilingual. There's so many great advantages. You know, there's the obvious ones that we know, like it can open doors for careers. It can make it easier for travel. But And those are mostly common sense. But what I think is really exciting is all the great research that's coming out about the cognitive advantages of how being multilingual can shape your brain. There's talk that it can make you a better multitasker because your brain is constantly figuring out which word they need to use. Is it in English? Is it in Spanish? Is it in German? It can help you problem solve. But I think one of the ones that almost gives me goosebumps that I find just fascinating is that there's been some research now showing that it can delay the onset of dementia by almost four years. And that is just incredible and a great motivator for anyone out there who's on the fence. It has not only 
can will it open doors for you, but it's shown to have some great health benefits. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because I, I was doing research before our interview and I was I was I wanted to ask you about this the dementia one because I I, I saw that and the multitasking one. Just because I saw it and, I, and you deal with this, you are, you know, you're bilingual and you talk to a lot of experts. Does it really help with multitasking? Well, that's what some of the research is showing. And sort of the science behind it is, like I said, that your brain is always having to choose, right? For me, I'm, I'm very strong in both English and Spanish. And I'm spending, at, at the dinner table, I'm talking with my daughter in Spanish, turning around and speaking to my husband in English. And so the theory, basically, what it's saying is that your brain is having to choose which word they're going to use and in what language. And we do it flawlessly We don't, in the sense that we don't really think about it, but your brain is still sorting that out. And so some research is showing that it, it may help with problem solving, multitasking, and all these great things. There, there's been some studies also saying that multilinguals are better at texting while driving, which I don't recommend, <laughs> showing that there, 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 there could be some signs. Uh, you know, I think as more time goes on, we'll, we'll have more research that will prove it one way or the other, but the potential is certainly exciting. Gotcha. No, I, I think it's really exciting, and I can definitely see how that actually would work. I don't know if there's any scientific proof, but I can see how that makes sense, especially with the dementia one, because you're always exercising your brain. Um, it, people always say with dementia, if you don't use it, you lose it. So, you know, you're having to use your brain by navigating between different neurons there. Um, so I, I can I can see the reasoning behind that. With learning a different language, though, moving to a different direction here, one of the things that people that are timid about is, is their accents. You have a very, very good American accent. I, I had to learn the same because I'm Nigerian. So, and people often, I'm, several accents come out. If you hang out with me long enough, you hear some British and some Nigerian or something there. But for the most part, I, I, I learned how to adapt my accent you know, to where I was because I was always exposed to American culture, whether it was in international schools or not. What tips do you have for, um, like, what do you say, diphthongs or, or just picking up the, the, the accent of the native, um, natives, really? So that's a great question. I think a lot of people worry about accents. And I actually tell my my parents who listen don't I, I, there's many buckets of things that you're gonna have to worry about on the language journey and accent I always put on the don't worry too much bucket focus on the quality of the language that you're passing on to your children but it is something we're very self-conscious about I mean it gets me all the time with German and in my head it sounds beautiful and then when I say it it's like oh what just happened but I think um Watching TV is a big thing. Listening to music in that language can also really help because basically what you're trying to pick up is just sort of the different tones and rhythm of that language. And you can do a lot of that. You can pick up a lot of that by listening to native speakers. So radio is a great way. Having the TV in the background is also just a great way. And then just practice. But I guess my biggest takeaway is don't beat yourself up about it. I mean, it's something that... You can continue to work on, and it's, I think, a great goal to have because it does create comfort, but I always place accents on the don't worry so much list. Focus on your vocabulary, your grammar, and that that's really what's going gotcha. to boost you. No, no, I love that. I'm, I'm learning so much just by talking to you, and um, I just, I, you re-energize my passion to, to uh, improve the fluency level of my French because it's always at that intermediate, semi-advanced 
intermediate, semi-advanced, fluctuating <laughs> level. And then, um, you know, if I stay in France, I can survive. But then I, I know that I need to get to a certain level. It's like you get to that plateau and there's no one to practice with. And it just sticks there. And then, you know, you, you, you don't want to lose it. But then you're like, ah, no motivation like you were saying earlier about... You know, I'm not putting myself in the environments to actually use it, so I can always revert to English. So, exactly. So you're you're that's definitely good to see that. Now you host a weekly podcast. I do. Um, how frequent is it? It's actually twice a week. Twice a week, and you you get all these guests, and they talk about um, several things. I'm giving you a chance to talk about uh, what podcast is, but they talk about. How they raise kids in with different languages, right? Sure. So there's there's two different episodes a week, and the format's a little different. So the interviews are released on Tuesday, and I take turns. One Tuesday, I'll interview a parent, and we'll talk about their best practices. So what's working for you, what isn't, what are some obstacles that you've had, and how you've been able to overcome. I always like to ask my parents for a funny anecdote, and they're always hilarious. Things that have happened just because you're multilingual. Um, I also ask for resources for books because that's the number one thing parents say is, I need more books, I need more authentic text in my language. So I like to pick the brains of the parents. And then every every other Tuesday, I'll interview an expert. So it can be anything from professors who are working on brain development for multilingualism to teachers in the classroom to curriculum designers. And so those are tailored specifically to that expert, and I just like to pick their brains to get tips and strategies to help parents and motivate them. On Thursdays, so that's the second episode a week, I have a Q&A. So these are questions that I'm getting from parents that are either emailed or recorded for me, and so it can be a wide range of things. Some common topics that I get is, I'm working really hard on a home language, but my child is only speaking back to me in the community language. What can I do? Or I'm thinking about introducing a third language. How can I go about it? So I draw a lot from my own experience at home and then my, my background in education to convey to parents some tips and strategies. So the Tuesday ones tend to be longer, the interviews are, and then the Thursdays are anywhere between 5 to 15 minutes of just a solo Q&A episode. Yeah, I think it's so key. And I'm obviously, while we subscribe to your podcast, I'll leave a review for sure. I know that's important for podcasting. But I, I think um, it, when I saw your profile on Twitter, why it really caught my attention, because it, it was because it reminded me of the importance of having, you know, more multiple languages. Because I, I knew of the benefits it had whenever I came to New York City when I was applying to jobs, when I was interacting with people. And just being concert in French, uh, it's helped me it, traveling through Europe. I, I remember going through uh, Greek and Turkey one time, and then we got lost. I think I just actually was in Italy. Yeah, I got lost in Italy. I didn't know how to speak Italian, or, and the guy didn't know how to speak English. But the way we navigated ourselves was I was, you know, I was speaking something franglais, some French and English, <laughs> some sort of sign language. But we, he recognized some of the words in French and we sort of made it out that way. But it was, I just always go back to that experience because it was so key to just navigating uh, through Europe. And just, and that was just me having an intermediate level of, of the language. So I saw your profile on Twitter and I was like, I really have to to talk to her because you're obviously an expert in this and you interview a lot of experts and I wanted you to get the chance to 
um, talk to the audience uh, about the importance of having this in their lives. So I appreciate you. Well, thank that. you. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's a, it's just a great thing to do with your children. And what I'm finding a lot, which is really inspiring, is a lot of monolingual parents are seeing the value in bilingualism and are finding ways, whether it's through their own language learning or by enrolling in a language program, to expose your children. I think you showed a perfect example. Here you were sort of in a bind, but because you understand languages and the, you were adaptable to the situation, you weren't necessarily afraid, which is I think a big fear that monolinguals have is, am I be, going to be able to be understood if I speak this language? And so just by creating that adaptability, that appreciation for the world, that alone is a great benefit to pass on to our children and to create for ourselves. Yeah, no, I agree, and uh, um, I, I, I think what you're doing, I, I'm, I am so excited to see what your daughter, what the great things your daughter does. She's ready. <laughs> she can speak three languages before she's five. It's gonna be amazing. I don't even know her. With the the sky is like the stepping stone instead of the limit there for her. It so. is a lot of fun. <laughs> but definitely doable. It's a to them when they're young, they, do, they just don't even think about it. I love to borrow some of her brain when I'm trying to convey some of my own German, but it is incredible. <laughs> now, so before before we end up, um, I wanted to ask you this question, which is the theme of the show and the podcast is um, use your difference to make a difference. So how do you use your difference to make a difference? Sure. I think that's actually a great question. I just started this podcast about seven months ago, and... I really found myself, like I said, finding parents who just were alone, and it just didn't feel right. And you're working really hard. Parenting as it is can be tough. And you're adding this new element, and you are introducing new languages and a new culture for your children. How can we help each other? And for me, that vehicle was the podcast. It started just out of my own curiosity, and it's built into creating a community of support for parents around the world. So I'm drawing from my experience. My When I first encountered those middle school years and was thrown in a trailer and my teachers forgot about me, I could have just dwelled on that and not moved on. But instead I said, you know, I, this experience happened to me for a reason and I don't want it to happen to anyone else. So what can I do to help others around me? And that's what I'm hoping to do through Bilingual Avenue. Well, love it, love it. Where can we find out more about you and how can we reach you? Sure, so you can go to BilingualAvenue.com and check out the podcast. It's also available on iTunes and Stitcher. And for anyone that's finding this interesting and wants more ideas on how to create that exposure and that need that I talked about, I do have a free PDF that I can send your way. You can get that at BilingualAvenue.com forward slash exposure. I'd love to connect and learn about your own language journey. Awesome, awesome. I'll put that in the show notes, and it's BilingualAvenue.com. And you can get a lot of resources there, but I'll be sure also to add the link to the podcast as well. And we'll get your views up and the message around. Thank you, Ty. This has been really fun for me. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to use your difference to make a difference, as well as for show notes, head over to www.uidmag.com. Till next time, go out and make an impact in your world.
You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to use your difference to make a difference, as well as for show notes, head over to www.uidmag.com. Till next time, go out and make an impact in your world. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.